Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for us, for your word that always stirs our our hearts and ministers to us and changes us. And as we come to your one word, it will be life to us. It will feed our souls, and it will make us into the into more into the image of Christ. Amen. We come again to this wonderful book of Hebrews, book of Hebrews that shows us how is a perfect fulfillment of all that we have a God who's very particular and he's very interested in the details and unfortunately um, people don't understand this that God is not just a big God of general general things he's a God who's interested in every detail of our lives and as we get to know him we get that revelation because we see how daily life and new things that we think really necessary for God to have. He's gracious and kind towards us. He does care about the little things in our lives. That is, the writer to the Hebrews had the grasp, the understanding God had given in the Old Testament. Jesus was the fulfillment of in the New Um you remember that um, as Moses was instructed with the instructions on how to prepare the tabernacle, that God gave him instructions concerning the color of the thread to use in the curtains, okay? And that wasn't a time where colors of threads, you know, like when people, it wasn't like today where people wore colorful clothing. They, they basically just wore muslin and, you know, uh, um, what we would consider blah color, you know, colorless almost. And yet, God gave specific instruction as to the color of the threads that went into the curtains. So we, and you know, even like every post had a certain knob and a pomegranate and, and a this and a that. It wasn't like, well, you know, just whatever design you happen to like, you know, just go ahead and do whatever you feel. No, it wasn't like that, was it? It was very specific. Everything spoke of Christ. Everything was uh, with meaning, with purpose, a foreshadowing Jesus Christ to the fulfillment of, of all. It was all. And so God was very particular in every detail, the spoons and the, they, they couldn't just bring utensils from home or they couldn't even just bring coals of fire from their hearth at home. That was considered strange fire, wasn't it? It had to be the, the coals from the fire altar had to be the ones that were sanctified and set apart and holy. And so we see how God is a God of deep in the details and it's to him. And we need to realize that, um, that every part of our life is important to him and that we need to maybe be a little bit more attentive ourselves to the details. Sometimes let the details slip. I want us to do that. And he cares and it matters to him. Hebrews, I think, always makes me realize as I read the book of Hebrews, and that's why I encourage you once in a while, just sit down and read through the book. Just read through. Don't get stuck. Because what you see there is how he's trying to get them to be more earnest. Be more Don't let Don't, don't, and that you could just do whatever you please with it. I think that's why our hearts are so grieved when we hear what the students are, are doing. You know, what makes the news? Of course, th there's good, there's good going on too. I said that to my husband today on the way here. I said, you know, it does. It grieves your heart and you say, oh, 
you know. But don't forget, there's good stuff going on too. That's the news. My point is that when you hear that, it kind of like up and you say, "Come on, let's let's get on track and let that get in the news." You know? Anyway, we are. We're responsible for our own hearts, and we got to make sure ourselves, we keep ourselves stirred up. And when the fire burns within us, catches to others around us. Hallelujah. And you don't have to work hard at that. Fire catches, right? <laughs> fire, that's right. Fire is, is contagious, and you don't, you know, you have to work at putting it out, not at spreading it. It spreads all by itself. So, so get that fire going in us, and it will spread. Praise the Lord. So now in chapter 5, we finished uh, chapter 5 last time. And he says at the end of that chapter to them, For when you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again. And he says that because he had been thinking about how Jesus was a priest after a different order. Melchizedek is a type. He's he's a direct priest directly appointed by God. Certainly not by man. As Aaron was appointed. God had had set the tribe of Levi aside, but Melchizedek was set aside and appointed a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek directly from heaven. And so the priesthood that Jesus carried, he didn't come, he was not a Levite. He did not come to be a, a Levitical priest, but he came in the power of, Melchiz- of the heavenly priesthood, which, which Melchizedek which was eternal. So therefore, he goes on now in the beginning of uh, 6, and oh, he ends with that thought that milk is for the unskillful in the word. And we need to grow up and not just be drinking milk all the time, but grow up and start to chew the meat. And, you know, babies, they can't chew that meat yet, can they? But uh, when you get a little older, you can. And the Lord wants to stir us up that we don't just get stuck. We have a lot of, I said this last time, but we'll just pick up the thought again. Baby Christians, never learning, never coming to the knowledge of the truth, not really ever grasping, and never not studying the word, not loving the word. That's where the growth comes. Growth doesn't come from just drinking the milk all the time, does it? It does. I mean, initially, as a baby, the milk does grow the child. But there comes a time where it has to have other kind of food, right? And in order for it to, to be well-rounded and balanced, it has to have more. And so it is with us as Christians. So, therefore, because of that, let's leave the principles of the doctrine of Christ. In other words, come on now, let's, let's move on here. Go on to perfection, and for, to maturity, in other words, that word should be. To maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. In other words, I, we, we shouldn't have to keep going back to... To telling you how to get saved, let's let's move on here. Let's grow up. Of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment, he's saying, I shouldn't have to explain that to you. And this we will do if God permit, he says. We will do it if, if we need to. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted... <clears throat> the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again to repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that comes often upon it and brings forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receives blessings from God. But that which bears thorns and briars is rejected and is near to curse and is to be burned. 
serious, serious warning here, isn't it? That those who have tasted and become partakers of the Holy Spirit not fall away. Because once they have fallen away, this is the word of God, not my word. It says it's not possible for them to be renewed and to get back to that place. Now, I know God is gracious. He's long-suffering. He's merciful. However, this is God's word. There's a loss, and it, it, it compares it to the drinks in the rain and comes off and As long as we're in that place where we're allowing God to nurture us and grow us, we're going to grow, and we're going to be in relationship with him. But when we harden our, if we harden our hearts, God forbid, and we've seen it, we've seen people do this. I know you've seen it, and I've seen it in my lifetime. When a person hardens their hearts and refuses to bow at God's word, and has tasted of the, has partaken of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and there's a, there's a certain never be filled in. Yes, and so. Um, People don't like the word, isn't it? That there is, there is certainly a place that people can go where there's, they just, they just have lost. They have lost out on something, and so receive what God has for you. There, are, there is a point where pass by, right? and and really you can't go back and get them back. For instance. This way, maybe this helps us understand that if a young person, um, we're going to hear more about this this morning, but if a young person felt called to um, to the mission field and to serve the Lord and hardened their heart and said no and went their own way and spent their whole life doing whatever it was they, they chose to do, maybe not left the Lord completely, but... Well, there's an opportunity there that was there when they were a young person that when they're 70 years old, it's gone, right? Okay, and so in that way, this is true, isn't it? They can never be, there can never be, that can't be restored. Does God use somebody? Of course. God, God gets his work done, but that person has missed that opportunity. And so we don't, do we? We always want to say, Lord, Help me to seize the opportunities that you place before me. Help me not to miss one of them. And, you know, like, oh, I hope I didn't miss an, oppor- an opportunity. But that's it, you know, it, it keeps edging us on is what I'm trying to say. It keeps, it keeps, us, it keeps us like a, a little bit awake, I'm a little bit more awake. And so God wants us, it's a serious warning. He says here that those who have once tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost have tasted this good word, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance. In other words, take themselves out of that place of God's blessing. And so he he goes on in verse 9 and says, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though thus we speak. So he's saying that he's he's stirring the pot, right? That's what I always picture. He's stirring the pot, and he's saying, come on now. He says, I don't believe that's true of you. (laughs) You know, I don't believe that's true of you. You could do better than that. Now, come on. Don't fall back. Don't get caught. think it's no big deal. It's a big deal. God spent preparing, leading up to this. And now look. Look at this fulfillment that we have in Jesus Christ and how he was better than this and better than that and the fulfillment of this. And so he really is stirring the pot. He says, but we're persuaded better things of you and things that 
salvation. Though we thus speak, though we're, even though I'm warning you, I know you, that, that you're not going to do that. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. That's a precious verse, right, that we love. But see, that, you know, he's saying, come on now, he says, because God doesn't forget. God doesn't forget what you do for him in his name. Jesus said, not a cup of cold water would be forgotten that's given in his name, right? And so, you know, we need to remember that because sometimes when we're doing stuff, we get tired and we say, oh, what did I say I'd do that for, you know? Uh, I'm just, why don't they get somebody else to do that? I just have enough to do it. You know, that's the enemy. He comes and he tempts us, right? And God is, if we do it with that thought in our heart and with that, we lose something. We lose the blessing, don't we? Because we need to stay in that place where we say, you know what, Lord? I'm so thankful that I have this little opportunity to serve you and that you've trusted me. And that I want to do this with the right motive because we want it to count for eternity, right? It's not a and so, you know, it's hard sometimes. It's hard in our daily life. It sounds great, and it's inspiring about how that applies. But when it comes down to serving one life, that's where sometimes, you know, there's that rub, and we think, oh, what am I going to do this for? Well, wait a minute. Let's stop and realize that our whole life is about service to him, all of it. And as we, as we, as we do it with the right motive in our heart, then, you know, God just, God just blesses us, and he prospers it, and he grows it, you know. Um, so we just have to keep that in mind. And um, just, just, keep, just keep it in mind, that's all. Keep everything, 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 everything. And do it with excellence, you know. There's always that temptation in my, my life, even though I hesitate to share it, that... Um, I have had a couple of companies that pay me very, you know, you can, they pay, pay me very well to do, to do that. And then, of course, I do a lot of website work like Gary Wood and, uh, you know, the church, a number of different churches. And some of them, you know, just give me a little, some of them pay a little bit. Some of them I just do it free for, you know. So there's, a te- there's you know, I have to be careful because sometimes I think, you know, the, ten, the temptation is to say, well, I'm just doing this for, I'm just doing this as a, a, a kindness of my heart. So I'll go and I'll, I'll spend more time and more energy on the ones that are, are paying me well. And then I have to catch myself and I say, wait a minute, I'm doing all of this, the, the ones that, that, that are paying me nothing or are paid a little bit, those are the ones, often those are the ones that are spreading the gospel and are for the glory of God. And I have to make sure that in my heart, I'm doing it with just as much excellence and care and detail so that, because that's for God's kingdom. And if I do with the wrong motive in my heart, well, because they're going to pay me, well, I'm losing something then, aren't I? And so I just share that with you just to help you to see how, you know, it comes into, it creeps into every part of our living, even when we know everything I do is, and, and uh, you know, it's, it doesn't matter. But still, there's, there's, you know, we have to just be careful that the motive of our heart is pure before him and that we're doing it and we're not just doing it because we like somebody or because, you know, we want people to think well of us. Sometimes that's, the, that's our, I mean, let's be honest here. Sometimes 
So we just rub comes and then we're like, whoa, what did I say I would do this for? We have to be doing what we're doing because we love him and we're passionate. We're passionate for him. And people may not appreciate it. People may not understand it. But because what I'm doing is for you, Lord Jesus, and for your kingdom. And it's eternal. What we do for him is eternal. It's not just for this world. You know, this world is, isn't it? We see it literally almost around us falling away and, and perishing. And it's not going to last forever, thank God. But we have a heavenly kingdom that we're, uh, we're on our way towards. And it's going to last forever. And what we do for eternity will last forever. And so don't, another warning here, don't be slothful. Slothful is a beautiful word, isn't it? Well, I always makes me think of a snail. <laughs> be not slothful, but follow and patience inherit the promise. In other words, you know, um, and then he goes and talks about Abraham, which we're going to read in a minute. But, you know, they didn't have the, the promises. Here, we have the, he, what he's saying is we have the fulfillment of the promises. And so he's saying, now don't be slothful. Don't, don't just lay there like a lazy snail crawl along at a snail's pace. Oh, now, <clears throat> stir yourself up. Get going here. Inherit the promises. Lay hold of eternal life. For when God made promise to Abraham, because surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. Now, that's a quote from Genesis 22, 16 to 17. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now, remember, Abraham, it took a long time before he saw the fulfillment, and he didn't really ever see the total fulfillment. His son, his son wasn't born until 25 years after God gave him the promise. By then he was 100, almost 100 years old, and he did live beyond that. But did he see the multitudes of of, of people that came from from his life? No, he never did. Did he? Not really. Not in this life. But by faith he did. That's right. He believed God. God said, "Your descendants are going to be like the sky." And the sand of the sea and multitude. Well, it came to pass, but, but he certainly didn't live to see it on this side. And, but he patiently endured, and he obtained the promise. And so it encourages us. Has God promised you something? And you haven't embraced that promise yet? To that promise, because after he endured, he received it. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God willing more abundantly to show the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, in other words, his T's unchangeable, confirmed it by an oath. Now God is unchangeable. So we have to say God. <laughs> and yet, his word is true, absolutely. And yet, on top of himself, God speaking, he says, I promise you, I, I swear to you, in other words, that this is going to come pass. That by two immutable things, the two is he's God, and then he promised the oath and, and who he was, in which it is impossible for God to lie. That's where we have that. It's impossible. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. So we have no reason to give up. No reason to quit. God is true. He's faithful. It's impossible. And we can cling to that truth. That truth will set us free. Embrace that truth. Buy the truth. Sell it not. Which hope we have as an anchor. Hope is compared to anchor. An anchor dropped off the bow of a ship 
keeps it steady, right? Where it's supposed to be. And so we have the hope, that anchor that holds us is that heaven is real and we're on our way for us. Um, Wherefore, where the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. My dad used to say that they, when they came, were coming into port, they would send out a little, little uh, like rowboat, and um, uh, with a long rope attached to the ship, that and that was the forerunner. So then, when they saw that little, because he would guide them, in, you know, in the channel, so they wouldn't go through the rocks and hit the reefs and stuff like that. And so the little boat would go first, and he was the forerunner. So when they saw, you know, people on shore saw that little boat coming, they knew that the big ship wasn't far away. <laughs> And so that's the idea. Jesus is, he's already gone, and he's tugging on the rope, pulling us and saying, now, come on, you can make it. I'm really here, you know. Even if it was foggy and they couldn't see the big ship far away, connected to the, to the little, little boat who was the forerunner, they, they knew that, that the, the ship was coming. And we know our ship is coming in, don't we? <laughs> Glory to God. We know that, that we have a heavenly home. And it's not a maybe. It's not, it's not that kind of hope. It's a surety, this hope, that's the Bible. It's a sure thing. We use hope in our world in a different, uh, different meaning. It's like an anchor, something that you can hold on to and be sure. I'm very sure my anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Rock is Jesus. And so he's already there, even Jesus, and he comes back. Is that even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, which is endless, which is eternal. And so we know that no matter what, how mundane, how much struggle there might be on a daily basis, no matter how the enemy is to get us to look at the things that are above, we are going to fixate ourselves on the goal and on the hope that we have. We're not losing sight that everything that we do is important. Every detail of our lives means something to God. And we're going to do it with carefulness and with diligence that we know that when we're done, God, ah, well, I'm well pleased. You're a, you're a son or your daughter or a son of mine. And I'm well pleased. Well done, good and faithful servant. We don't want to get there. What were you doing? You messed up. <laughs> we want to get home and him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Praise God. Hallelujah.